Holy JB Hoochie Mama, what in the heck just happened there? That was awesome. And Matt Kuchar does all right. Let's tee it up. Welcome to Data Access Golf, your home for rapid golf improvement. And now, from the thin air of the Rocky Mountains, next on the number one tee, your host, Aaron Stewart. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Data Access Golf. Grateful to have you here. Appreciate it. That was a fun first round. I don't know if anybody thought, I, I didn't see that coming. I figured Jordan Spieth goes into the goes into day two with, uh, with the lead and J.B. Holmes comes flying out of nowhere to play some pretty amazing golf. So just quickly going through his card, and I'm just going to start on one. I know someone off both tees, but uh, he goes birdie, birdie, par, par, bogey, hole in one, birdie, par, par, for a 31 on the front, and then goes birdie, birdie, par, par, birdie, par, birdie, par, par, for a 32, 63, eight under, boom. In the clubhouse lead after the first day. Really amazing golf. Very impressive. Totally impressive. But uh, fun to actually see JB back. And we actually will say his name a little bit later in the show. But very cool. Congrats to JB Holmes for leading the first round. Really awesome. And then just this came across the wire just briefly. And I know we talked about Matt Kuchar yesterday. So I don't want to spend too much time on it. Um, I kind of was hoping that the whole thing would go away. This should do it for sure. Uh, Matt basically coming out and saying that he, he felt bad about some of the stuff he said. And, and I, I kind of uh, threw out a, a graphic on this that he kind of said, hey, five grand's a great week. And it did seem a little um, a little beneath him. It did seem to marginalize uh, David Ortiz. And he did talk about that in this statement. But I thought this statement was a class act. Uh, it says he's going to make sure that he gets the full 50 grand. I didn't I didn't see any reason for him to just because David Ortiz requested the 50 grand didn't seem like he necessarily had to do that. I felt like uh, Matt at least uh, fulfilled his obligation. They agreed on three. He paid five. Um, Could he have been a bit more generous? I think all of us agreed that, yeah, we probably would have liked it if he'd been a a little bit more generous, especially knowing a little bit more about David Ortiz situation financially and that he had reached out and asked for more money, which... I feel odd about seems weird, but anyway, so Matt just kind of went above beyond as far as I'm above and beyond the call of duty. As far as I'm concerned, made sure he had the 50 K and then went ahead and made another, uh, I guess he's going to make some sort of a, a donation to Mayakoba golf classic, which I think is really great. I, I think that Matt was starting to feel a little bit of the pressure. I must say, I don't necessarily find much of what Hank Haney says on his show. Very interesting. Usually, but Hank Haney brought up a very good point today when he was talking about, you know, what about Matt's sponsors? He has got logos all over his shirt. How do they feel about this? I mean, he is representing them as well. And he is, as Matt said in this statement, and if you go to the PGA Tour, there's right at PGA Tour Communications is who put this out. I believe it was on Twitter. But he said uh, that he, he wasn't representing, he didn't feel like he was representing the Mayakoba Golf Classic well either as their champion. And I hadn't thought about that either. That's true. So anyway, it seems like Matt sort of wrapped this whole thing up. I don't know who helped him come to this point. I have my suspicions, but, uh, and I don't believe it was any of us, and I don't believe that it was Hank Haney, and I don't believe it was his agent. I believe that it was something, somebody more internal, and uh, good. Good for them. So that's awesome. So that should be the it. That should be it for this. I think he's done, he's done it very well, taking care of it. 
As far as the data goes, I, I mean, watching the tournament's been really uh, fun today for sure. It's fun that we have tournament that we've been able to watch. I cannot believe how well the course is playing. After all that rain, they had almost two inches of rain, and it's been soft before then anyway. And I don't know if it's the Kukuya grass or whatever, but th- it's amazing to me to still still see balls landing and backing up and just hats off to the crew there to get it for getting it ready to play. Super amazing. And then some of the play we're seeing, obviously, Riviera is a, you know, when it's soft like that, it's, it's more gettable, as we like to say. And they're definitely taking advantage of it. I mean, a, an eight under and Adam Scott's now seven under, I see. And Jordan Spieth's first, first round was seven under. Um, you've got Tiger making four straight birdies, kind of on a streak now and three under. So it's just fun to see really good golf at Riviera. Not, not typically a course where scores go low, but being this soft, they're playing it well. If it stays this way, we'll probably see some record scoring, which would be fun to see. Uh, great information, too, on the Genesis Open becoming the Genesis Invitational and kind of upping its game and aligning itself with Tiger Woods and his foundation. A lot of great news coming out of this week for golf in general. So very cool stuff. But what I wanted to do, and what I wanted to jump into today after getting all that, I cut off the show yesterday a little short just because... I had a lot more stuff that I was looking at and was geeking out a little bit, but I wanted to get away from it. And I wanted to talk more about managing some expectations when we're playing. And every time we go out and play, we need to make sure that we take into consideration a lot of different factors that I don't think we typically do as amateurs. And then we need to, I'm always talking about making sure that we, um, if if our expectations are realistic, then that reduces the pressure on ourselves and we have less pressure we don't have to get up into our heads and get freaked out, as Sergio showed us the other day, and stress out. But we play outside of ourselves, and we enjoy the day a lot more, and we play better golf, right? So getting into that, I wanted to talk about this perception that the, TGA, the PGA Tour pros just go low all the time, and they just play really good golf all the time. And that is just frankly not the case. And if we look at – so I, I did this a few different ways – One, I kind of looked at the scoring average for all players in 2018 to just see what we're looking at. And if you look at, even if you look at the top, uh, say, we're going to say 11 because Tiger Woods comes in at 11. If you look at their scoring average over the course of the entire year, you've got Dustin Johnson who leads the entire PGA Tour with a 68 and a half. I mean, if you take all, and I, I did do this, if you take all par from all the courses that they play over the course of the entire year. Some of them are 72. You've got Kapalua that's a 73. A lot of them are 71s and 70s. You've got a, a stretch in there in the PGA Tour where five courses in a row from the St. Jude's down to the Greenbrier, they're all 70s. But when you get through and you average that all up, it's, it's 71.1. So that's pretty much average par for all the tournaments combined, finding an average. So 71. Well, if you look at 71 and the 68, now we're talking, you know, it's not as greatly under par as we thought it was. In fact, with with Tiger Woods, we're only talking, you know, Tiger Woods was at 11th. He was essentially one and a half under par. That's what he averaged, right? So not, they don't average 65s. They don't average 62s. They average closer to even par, right? So that's one thing that we have to get out of our head is like, you know, let's. these are the best players in the world, and they're somewhere around even par. Even hitting it further, even doing all that, it's closer to even par than we think it is. Another thing that we never talk about is how far these guys hit it. 
their average approach into a green is a seven or an eight iron, right? Even with everything. I mean, talking about the par threes, the long par threes and all that, when you throw that all in. So what is our average club into these greens? I'm guessing it's not a seven and eight iron. I can think of a couple holes where I'm hitting like four iron and hybrids in on par fours. So we're not playing from the same spots. We're not hitting the same clubs. So let's, let's, let's broaden these expectations a little bit. Let's ease up on ourselves. So another thing that I wanted to do is kind of look at um, the scoring averages on the different holes. I think that we, we develop these ideas in our head that somehow or another we're supposed to be scoring better on certain types of holes than other types of holes. And so let's, I wanted to get this perspective set up and done it properly. Par 3 scoring on the PGA Tour, there is only, there is only five people that score under par on average on par threes on the PGA Tour for an entire, I'm looking at an entire 2018, right? Dustin Johnson was number one. Oddly enough, Dustin, Dustin Johnson led um, scoring on par threes, fours, and fives when I was looking at it. Dustin Johnson was just completely dominant last year, much more so than I thought. I mean, just consistently dominant. He led scoring in all three categories, all three types of pars. Um, so he led, but here's the interesting thing. Of the five that were under par for the year, only five in the entire PGA Tour were under par on par threes for the entire year. But here's the, here's the other four. Emiliano Grillo, Ricky Barnes, Brett Stegmeier, and Bronson Bergen. D do you know any of them? Yeah, we've probably heard Ricky Barnes. He doesn't play much. Emiliano Grillo, yeah, we've definitely heard of him, but not, not, not often. So those are your top five. Okay, here's your bottom five. This is crazy to me. Here's your bottom five. These guys all averaged over par on par threes for the entire 2018 season, right? They averaged over par. You've got Ted Potter Jr., Jason Duffner, J.B. Holmes, right? He did okay today. Had a hole-in-one on a par three. He averaged over par last year, 2018 on par threes. Gary Woodland and Hudson Swafford. Gorgeous swing, Hudson's, right? Love his swing. They were all over par. They averaged over par on par threes for the entire 2018 season, okay? Do not expect to be par or better on par threes. It's not, it's not gonna happen. These are tour pros who hit the ball a lot further than we do. Par threes are hard. Play them as such. I remember a story of... Uh, uh, down at the Desert Inn, when they had the um, the open there, they, there's a couple of tough, really par threes there, and they talked about how Billy Casper would not go at the green on a couple of these par threes. He would hit it safely to the front of the green, and then chip up and try to make a putt because going at the green was just stupid, just too dangerous. And this was the old Desert Inn course that was torn out a while back. But I mean, I thought that was pretty incredible that every year he'd come and play this tournament, he would not go at that pin. And he did it quite often where he would just get it to the front where it was safe and then trust his short game to get up and down on par threes. There's probably some of us that probably should do that. Pins back behind a sand trap. What are you doing? Hit a club that gets it up to the front middle and see if you can't chip and get up and down for par rather than burying it in the face of the bunker with a hybrid and trying to somehow or another now get out of there with a bogey. Just something to think about. Par threes are hard. We need to get that in our head. And I don't care what the USGA says about it when they start looking at your handicap. I don't know how they figure those things out. It seems like so many of the par threes are ranked, you know, 17, 18. Well, that's a joke. 
the, the PGA Tour is showing us that par threes are hard. They're the most difficult of the three types of pars, of the three types of holes. So why we make par threes so easy and when we're calculating handicaps, I don't know. I don't know what the brain trust is doing there, but it doesn't, it's never made any sense to me. We, I played at a course where we actually went through and changed our, our scoring, our handicap scoring based on actual scores. Whoa, what? Actual data. We used actual data to set up the handicaps for the different holes. It was brilliant. So that's it. Par threes are difficult. We only had five players on the PGA Tour that averaged under par on the par threes. Okay, everybody else was over par. And the ones that were the very, very worst are very good players. Thank you, J.B. Holmes. Okay, par four scoring. This one was pretty interesting. Out of the 196, I think, uh, people that we looked at, only 26 on tour averaged under par on par fours. Only 26, I think, out of 196, right? So 170 on the PGA Tour averaged over par on par fours. Most people can't, can't believe that. When we watch TV and we see all, everything that they show us, we have this assumption that they birdie half of their par fours, and it's just not the case. Okay, top five here were Dustin Johnson, and, and he averaged 3.93, so barely under par. Not grossly under par. He was barely under par. Right? And Dustin Johnson, his par three scoring, let's go back to this. His par three scoring, he was under par for the year, was 2.96, basically par, not way under par. Now at par four, he averaged 3.93, as did Justin Rose. Justin Thomas averaged 3.95, Webb Simpson 3.96, Ricky Fowler number five 3.97 very close to par. They're not going totally under on par fours. So par fours are tough. Par fours are hard to go under par on. Okay, so let's keep that in our mind. And so when we have a really hard par four and and we've got like a four or five or a hybrid into it, we're not going to birdie that thing. We're probably not going to par it. We're probably going to bogey it. Let's just manage our expectations and start, instead of playing for birdie, let's start playing for par. Put it up in the middle and try to get up and down on a long par four. Take the trouble out. Quit compounding and making the game more difficult. Make it easier by realistically looking and understanding that par fours are not big birdie holes for a lot of these guys, for most of these guys. 170 of them finished over par for par fours. Par fives. This is where the scoring happens. Par fives are where the really good players go low. And if we are playing the proper tees, this is where we should be able to go low, just based on the data. Again, Dustin Johnson led the, led the field. Uh, completely amazing to me to, that he led all three types of holes here, but he was 4.47. Okay, that is half a stroke. He averages half a stroke. So he birdies two out of the four par fives. Let's say if he's playing a par 72. It's not astronomical. He's not, he's not eagling one and birdieing the other four. He's birdieing two out of four. And then everybody else is pretty similar. Tommy Fleetwood... Tony Finau, Brooks Kepka, Justin Thomas. There you go. There's your top five. Let's just, let's be realistic. Let's make sure that when we are, are out there playing that we understand that par threes and par fours are probably not going to be our, our strongest scoring holes. Par fives are going to be if we're playing the proper tees. These guys are barely averaging par, right? 170 of the PGA Tour is averaging over par 
on par fours and 191 of them are over pars on par threes. So hopefully that helps perspective a little bit. And then the last thing I wanted to do, I thought this was totally fun. So the PGA Tour stats page is just, it's geekdom heaven. But anyway, so really quickly, so they have a stat, average bogeys per round. So get a load of this. Henrik Stenson led the entire PGA Tour and he averaged 1.96 bogeys per round. He averaged two bogeys per round. Best on the PGA Tour. And then if you go right in the middle, so I wanted to see what the average was. You've got Keegan Bradley, Tommy Fleetwood, Lucas Glover, Sean Stephanie, and Vaughn Taylor. They were right smack there in the middle at 93rd. Their average bogeys per round, 2.61. So over two around, right? There was only two players in all of the PGA Tour that averaged less than two around, and that was Henrik Stenson and Ricky Fowler. Everybody else averaged more than two bogeys around. And then you've got um, the bottom five, which is probably cruel to talk about, but so I won't. But I'll say the very worst on the PGA Tour was 3.94 around. That's almost four bogeys around. So pretty tough there. Anyway, I thought that was interesting data. Hope you enjoy the weekend. Hope you enjoyed the data. Until next time, remember better data always means better golf and hopefully better expectations. Until next time, thanks. Thanks for listening to Data Access Golf with Aaron Stewart. Check us out online at dataaccessgolf.com and we'll see you on the next episode.